This morning marks six years to the day from my first Sunday as your rector at Christ Church. And I remember that morning like it was yesterday, the transition from being an associate for nine and a half years to being a rector is a pretty significant one. I can recall feeling pretty nervous about how steep the learning curve would be as I learned a new community, a new congregation, a new job, and one-way streets all at the same time. <laughs> the one thing that I was confident about, however, and I told Deacon Kelly this early that Sunday morning, was that I knew how to do church. In hindsight, however, that confidence might have been misplaced. The month of December 2016 was a pretty hectic one. I said goodbye to old friends in Alabama, bought a house, sold a house, moved into a condo at the beach because we sold our house too quickly. And we moved to Bowling Green on New Year's Day and I got to know 400 new faces one Sunday morning. It was a lot. And tucked into all of that was an ongoing conversation about the possibility of a baptism at the early service on my first Sunday. I was really excited about the possibility of starting my ministry here by welcoming a new member into the body of Christ. But sometime before Christmas, I got word that the godparents weren't going to be able to make it. And so the baptism would need to be rescheduled. No harm. I knew how to do church. I arrived at O'Dark 30 on January 8, 2017 to get a lay of the land. And Deacon Kelly and the Altar Guild already had preparations well underway as always. Looked over the bulletin. I got comfortable in our beautiful nave. Set my, book, my sermon in this pulpit and rested on the idea that I knew how to do church. As has become our custom, the altar party gathered about five minutes before the service started so that we could pray. We were vesting back at the other end of the building back then, so we came up a little early and were milling about, and a young couple with a baby walked in, and I didn't think anything of it. And we huddled up to pray, and Deacon Kelly whispered in my ear, they're putting a white dress on that baby. Suddenly, all the confidence I had in knowing how to do church flew out the window. I wonder if John the Baptist had a similar feeling when he looked up from his 10,000th baptism in the River Jordan to see his cousin, the one whom he thought was the Lamb of God, the Anointed One, the Messiah, standing next in line. All of John's confidence and bravado must have just disappeared in a moment when he saw Jesus waiting to be washed clean in a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Matthew is the only gospel that records the back and forth conversation between Jesus and John, but I think it has been edited for content. As I suspect, the first thing John said to Jesus is, what the bleep are you doing here? It seems that might have been the reaction for the gospel writer and most of early Christianity as well. Because if Jesus is the Son of God who lived as one of us yet without sin, why on earth is he out in the wilderness waiting in line to get baptized for the forgiveness of sins? 
I should be baptized by you, John says in protest. And yet, here you are waiting to be baptized by me. Jesus, as always, knows something deeper is at work. Let it be so, he says. For it is proper in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus knew that John knew that the baptism that John was offering for the forgiveness of sins wasn't actually about the individual being baptized. In first century Palestine, as with most cultures up to today, individual piety wasn't really about the person. Despite our modern American obsession with sin being about personal morality or purity codes handed down to us by our puritanical colonial ancestors. For most of Judeo-Christian history, the worry about personal sin wasn't whether a person would go to heaven or hell, but the impact that it had on the community at large. Sin is, at its most basic level, the breaking of relationship. And broken relationships lead to poverty, to addiction, to bigotry, to hatred, and to war. And all of those things impact much more than the individual. Jesus came to John to be baptized in the Jordan River, not because he was worried about being forgiven for lying to his mom about stealing a Jolly Rancher at the penny candy store when he was eight years old. But because Jesus wanted every person in Israel to be restored to right relationship with God and with each other. In that moment, that was the beginning step toward all righteousness coming to earth. And as Jesus came up out of the water, the Spirit descended upon him like a dove, and the next phase of all righteousness began. Jesus sought the forgiveness of sins for his nation, for the oppressive system into which he was born and through which the Romans ruled with degradation and violence. And then he gathered a group, a community of disciples to show the whole world what it looks like to live in a state of forgiveness, individually and corporately, that allows a life of right relationship with God and with our neighbors as a community of Christ faithful. That's what we strive for here. And it proved to be true six years ago because thankfully there are a lot of people at Christ Episcopal Church who know how to do church. And so within minutes of Deacon Kelly's panic-inducing words in my ear, we had the font moved and water warmed up and the family prepped and lots of apologies for the confusion. We threw out the bulletins and did the service from the Book of Common Prayer like back in the old days. And Ryder Travelstead was joyously welcomed into the body of Christ at a slightly delayed 8 o'clock service on the baptism of our Lord 2017. It was the perfect way to begin our shared ministry. 
It was an embodied metaphor that this isn't about me. It's not about any one of us, but about how we share in the ongoing work of our baptismal calling, supporting each other in our lives in Christ. In the apostles' teaching and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in the prayers, persevering in resisting evil and repenting when we fall short, proclaiming by word and example the good news of God in Christ, seeking and serving Christ in all people, loving our neighbors as ourselves, striving for justice and peace among all people and respecting the dignity of every human being. None of us can do that alone. It is a communal effort that requires regular reminders of our common mission, confession when we fall short, a healthy dose of humility, and a whole lot of help from God. So as we begin another year together, may the example of Jesus continue to show us how to live as a community of love so that all righteousness might be found here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.